0: Welcome to Season 2 of Mindfulness Off the Cushion. If you're familiar with the challenges of living mindfully and are looking for help in your daily dance with suffering, our goal is to be a resource for you. Once again, we're brought to you by the Austin Mindfulness Center. Nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. While most of us probably wish Benjamin Franklin's infamous phrase weren't true, avoiding it will not make it any less honest. In this episode, we'll take some time to gently, yet honestly, explore the deeply human experience of grief and loss, rooted in ways in which mindfulness can help us through. In a twist of fate that hits home even more deeply than usual for our team, Dr. Sears lost his mother recently just before recording this episode. From this place of honesty and lived experience, we hope we can offer something tender and useful to you in your own journey through life and death, grief and loss. Mindfulness is not meant to be practiced only when we feel good. As Dr. Sears simply puts it, sometimes reality hurts. We would not be human without this factor of pain, of loss. But here's the tiny golden nugget. By paying attention to the reality of our experience and the thoughts and feelings that arise with it, we can learn to honor the grief. We can learn to honor the sadness. And in doing so, we can better come to realize the reality That loss can occur at any minute, and in so doing, we can also come to even more deeply treasure the people who matter to us right now. I hope you'll join us as we navigate how to make space for sadness without letting it overwhelm us. Welcome back, Dr. Sears, to Mindfulness Off the Cushion. So happy to have you here, sir. Great to be back. Today, we're going to explore the realm of grief and loss. We want to just take a moment and recognize the fact that you, sir, just recently lost your mom. So our sincere condolences to you. Yeah, thank you. This seems a little bit apropos. However, I think it truly is the universal stars aligning for us. Let's dive a little deeper into grief and loss. I would love to maybe start with a a short discussion around how mindfulness can help us when we have
1: lost a loved one so dear. Yeah. Well, as we've been talking about, mindfulness is just paying attention to reality. So it's not necessarily feeling good, feeling happy, wonderful when that does happen and you're more likely to when you appreciate what you have by paying attention to what you do have but sometimes reality hurts and so we wouldn't be human if we didn't also feel the hurt and so by paying attention we could notice what are the thoughts coming up what are the feelings that are here and this may sound strange but we can learn to honor even the sadness even the grief right if i felt nothing right now about the loss of my mother that would be a little strange you know it would mean i had no connection with her um yeah and so my grief my sadness is actually a sign of just how much i cared how much she mattered to me how much i learned how much i appreciated uh, and in fact she was probably the most compassionate person that i would ever known and you know that's saying a lot and uh, that's kind of maybe what taught me to be where i am and so to just deny all that would be to feel nothing or just to say to myself well that's everybody dies and, and keep it intellectual and and then there's no feeling with that so now that doesn't feel good necessarily, but I think that's an important point, is that these feelings are telling us what matters. It's a sign of our connection, right? So what's the alternative? I just don't get connected to anybody because I'm afraid I might lose them someday when you know the reality is it's just always a possibility.
2: Well, Dr. Sears, thank you so much for for sharing what you're experiencing right now with the loss of your mother. And, you know, you've used a wonderful, beautiful word, which ha- kind of helps create a nice framework for how it is that mindfulness and grief can work together. And you're saying that through mindfulness, we can honor, you use that word, honor the sadness.
1: Yeah.
2: Honor the sadness that we're experiencing right now, that through the through the act of paying attention to these emotions or these thoughts, we're actually creating the space for that sadness to be? And the question I'm sure that people have is, how do I create the space and honor the sadness? But how do I not become overwhelmed by the sadness?
1: Yeah, no, that's an important question. And I do like that idea of making space for the feelings, which can be tough when life goes on. And got kids and responsibilities and jobs and things like that. And the thing with grief too, is there is no formula. There's not necessarily a logic. I mean, we can kind of understand big picture processes here, but as you're going through it, it certainly doesn't follow a logical type of piece. You know, in the case of my mother, she'd been struggling with Alzheimer's for over a decade. So her mind was gone in a certain sense. I was sort of grieving for a long time. And so intellectually it should be oh well this is good you know this is finally her getting rest because her mind was already gone and now her body's finally resting too but then the feeling just kind of came up and what was you know interesting and this is very typical is even as I'm going through the process, I was literally watching her at her deathbed off and on and seeing that suffering, you know, there'd be some feelings coming and going, but there's so many practical things, you know, uh, contacting my siblings and arranging for funeral services. And then the funeral itself, you know, there's so much to be done and we've got to take care of the flowers. And, and so even as it's all happening, it could still be very intellectual and then, afterwards, oh, here come the feelings. Now they're just catching up a little bit. You thought maybe you'd already grieved, but here they come again. And this is a very normal process where the feelings just kind of come and go. And so what I was noticing with mindfulness is even as I'm doing the things I have to do, okay, there's a feeling down here in my stomach. In my case, people experience it differently. It was almost like a clutching Kind of a piece. And so there were times it's like, well, I've got to take my daughter to school or I've got to see this next client or whatever it is. But to your point, you know, it's important too every now and then to just pause, you know, make some space. I I sat outside on the porch and just kind of. So hello there, you know, sort of welcome the feeling and maybe a few tears come, maybe they don't, but uh, kind of make some space for that. Because what I've seen some people do is just stuff it down, you know, I don't have time for this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to think about it. And then it's more likely to pop up other times, you know, because it's just kind of knocking at the door saying, hey, don't forget about me. So every now and then to just sort of welcome uh, whoever shows up. So
0: Dr. Sears, I believe uh, that I had at one point shared with you that I've been studying mindfulness only for about a year. It was May, 2021 that I took my first MBSR course. And through this practice, I believe that I have developed a deeper sense of when feelings were coming to the surface or thoughts or emotions were carrying me away. You used that term clutching sir. And you mentioned that you were able to notice this clutching sensation that then prompted you to pause and make some space. Can you unpack that a little bit for us and maybe talk about how
1: mindfulness has helped you recognize that experience? Yeah. So uh, mindfulness has been helpful in the sense of just really, again, noticing what is here it's about being open to the process. It's not necessarily a formula. Everyone's going to grieve differently, of course. Um, there was some valuable work done by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, of course, and others about stages of grieving. And those are useful to study, but later research showed that there, there's no real order and people don't go through all of them. And But I think what was important about that is to show that there are processes that happen. So literally one day you can be everything's great i'm so appreciative and another day oh my gosh i can't believe this has really happened Um, i thought it was a dream kind of a feeling and you don't know what to do with that you know by the way the other thing that can happen is if you haven't really processed the concept of change of impermanence of the inevitability of death these things can be really devastating i mean we often go through life as if we're never going to die And then suddenly it happens and you're just so it's not just the grief of the person you lost it's the whole concept of life itself you know being temporary and what am i doing with my life and all these other emotions that can come up so what can happen is now it's not just grief it's existential crises and all kinds kinds of thoughts and feelings swirling around. Now that's normal too at any particular stage, but it can be helpful when you make room for all of that and start to tease apart. Okay, here's, here's the grief I feel for this person. Here's some other anxieties coming up. Here's some other questions about whether my life is meaningful, all this sort of stuff. But again, I like that expression of making space for that to just kind of explore that and look at it because uh you know what you're asking is can you really notice what is there and unpack that versus let's say getting lost in a spiral where you feel stuck in it you can't function at all in my particular case i just happen to notice i use the word clutching because it's hard to put into words but like this tightness like this uh, you know, like I wanted a hug or something and couldn't get it uh, or, you know, just that missing somebody feeling or not knowing what to do with this. And, and it's a funny thing. I'm using words because we're communicating and that's all we have. But when you're just feeling it, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to put it into words. You can just kind of notice that feeling. But what can happen is because that doesn't necessarily feel pleasant is people suddenly tighten against it. And it's like they're pushing it down. And so now there's this tension in their body where they're really only fighting themselves. In fact, I'm working with someone right now who has been unable to feel their sadness. And so they also have irritable bowel syndrome, gut issues going on. And I'm trying to help them feel, but they're confusing what emotionally feel with what their stomach's doing and I think they're actually very interrelated but to be able to sort of open up and explore that rather than fighting it rather than pushing it down and the hard part is to just experience it there's a a funny thing we can do where well gee maybe if I feel it it'll go away or you know this is going to be a trick to feel better or feel happy and obviously you don't want to feel happy there's all kinds of processes are going to be happening in the grieving process but it's just allowing things to flow and really a big piece of this is self-compassion you know it really strikes me how whenever i share this news with people i care about how uh, wonderful of a hug they'll give or the kind words or just the thoughts you know and to be able to do that for yourself to have some compassion you know for what you're going through
0: Mindfulness Off the Cushion is sponsored by the Austin Mindfulness Center, the premier mental health counseling center in Texas for mindfulness-based therapy, education, and coaching. If you're an individual or couple struggling with stress, anxiety, depression, relationship issues, or you're just looking to better equip yourself to gracefully navigate these turbulent times, you can visit us online at austinmindfulness.org and request an appointment today.
2: What I hear from you, Dr. Sears, is that, first of all, there isn't a formula for grieving. Everyone's individual socioeconomic history, culture influences, a lot of different influences and a lot of different experiences to grieving. Yeah. So there's no, no right way or wrong way to grieve in that regard. Right. I also hear that through mindfulness, through being aware and present for the grieving process, that... Uh, it can it can take you from the micro, meaning like the body and the clutching, the physical sensation, something very obvious and coarse, to also something very macro, like big, like existential angst. What is the point of living and life? So it's um, this very big dance that you're doing with yourself and with life, and what I love of what you're encouraging us to do here is it's okay to be there with that. And through mindfulness, we can be there with that.
1: Yeah. And and it's almost an attitude of watching a process unfold. And this may be a funny way to say it, but sometimes it's about staying out of my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, my body's just going to do what it needs to do. My thoughts are going to do that too including some thoughts of uh you know what's the point of going on if we're all going to die anyway you know and obviously if you get too caught up in that thought you know you need to get help for that but it's normal to have those thoughts come and go and to watch those unfold and it can be surprising how up and down it can be you know one day you may be extremely happy and then realize well, wait a minute uh, you know, somebody I love just passed away. How can I be happy? That's not right. And so now I'm trying to fight what I should feel and shouldn't feel. And, and so the attitude of mindfulness, again, let's take some practice, but it's just curiosity. Well, it's interesting how I feel different today and, and also hold the grief and also hold other feelings that may be happening at the same time. And it, it may be worth mentioning to some people too, in my clinical experience and my personal experience, there's a point where you're surprised It's something like nine months to a year after the person's passed, it can hit you again really hard and it surprises people. But in a way, even though intellectually, you know, they've passed in the back of your mind, it can almost be like, well, you know, I haven't seen them in a while or like they're on vacation or, uh, They've just been busy, and after you know nine months to a year, it hits you a little harder. Now this is a really a, a permanent situation, so you may feel that again. Obviously, you may feel it on holidays or certain things may remind you. Obviously, songs that come on the radio. So um, there is no getting over it obviously but you learn to relate to it differently so every now and then that old feeling clutching whatever it is just comes along and you sort of honor that memory and you know i'm talking about it in this calm way there are times it just feels really overwhelming and that's okay too you know you cry you feel it the hard part is not to just spiral down into it but it's okay to let yourself you know feel that and obviously it's good to seek help from friends and supportive people too.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the the role of wisdom here. If someone really close to us has passed and these thoughts and feelings that are coming are so incredibly overwhelming, we've talked a number of times on this podcast when there might be times when you perhaps don't want to practice mindfulness per se. If your feelings are so strong, when does it make sense to find someone like a therapist who can
1: help guide you along that path toward healing? first of all it, it it's and I know you didn't mean the question this way, but I think people sometimes get this idea that mindfulness is something you have to practice and do, so it's like now I'm grieving, and I have to add this extra thing I got to do you know, I don't have time for that, I don't want to put this effort into it. But you know, mindfulness is just awareness of reality. So you're grieving whether you want to notice it or not notice it. So it's not like you have to do something with it. It's just the reality in this moment. So there's sort of an acceptance piece of here it is. But to your question, I think that's important. First of all i'm a little biased i think everyone (laughs) should talk to somebody if they're grieving it doesn't have to be when you're overwhelmed now that could be a professional it could just be a friend and people are often surprised when they start to share somebody will say oh yeah i lost a parent too or i've experienced what you're experiencing and of course everybody experiences it differently but Because we don't talk about it as a culture, you may not realize how many people have gone through similar experience. So it can just be nice to be able to to share. I think the general guideline for seeking professional help is when you just can't function. You know, you can't go back to work. Uh, Nothing seems like it matters at all. Um, You you stop being able to you know do things with your family. Now now for a while, of course, that's normal. You just need time to heal and and grieve, but when it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm just really stuck, you know, that's a good time mm. to seek a professional. Because one thing that can happen is when you talk to a friend, especially maybe more an acquaintance who's not as uh, deep a friend, you can get this sense that they don't know what to say, you know. After a while, they say, "I'm so sorry," and then a week later, they don't know what else to say. It's all, you know, gee, it's been a couple of weeks. Snap out of it! But obviously, you know, a couple of weeks is a tiny bit. If you've known the person your whole life. So, you can get this feeling like, gee, now I'm burdening people. I don't want them every time I talk to them to think they just have to talk about my grieving or something. So, having a professional can be nice because it's this person's job to just be present. You don't have to worry about repeating yourself and, you know, or that there's some expectation that I have to get over it, whatever that means. So, that can be nice too, to just have somebody, especially someone experienced with the grieving process, who can just Normalize what you're going through because you can feel like, What's wrong with me? I shouldn't be so stuck with this, or why is this hitting me so hard? And so, having somebody there to unpack it with you can be helpful.
2: I love how you describe the role of the therapist in this context as somebody that is able to be present. That is their job is for them to be present with the client as they are grieving. And this transformational or this radical power of presence is helpful from two perspectives, from, from the perspective of the person grieving and being able to be present for that experience of grieving. But it's also helpful from the perspective of the helper or the therapist or the friend, somebody who is able to be present with you as you're grieving. And that's um, that says a lot about what being present or the power of being present or the benefits of being present is about.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because if you know someone who's grieving, you know, if if you don't really know what to do or what to say, sometimes you might try to fix it, you know, well, they're in a better place or whatever you might want to say, and maybe there's something to that, but in the moment, that doesn't take away the grief and the feeling. So, as you said, just to be present, to be there with them. You don't have to even do or say anything. Just being there, um, being understanding. And as a therapist, by the way, um, it's a way of modeling to the person grieving. I'm I'm going to be here with your grief too. You know, we don't have to run from it. We don't have to fix it as if it's a foreign thing to go to war against. I can also be present with you as you're going through this and that's powerful to model.
2: I'm sure that everybody out there has had a friend that is a good listener and if you notice what a good listener is is that power of presence. Everybody's tasted that. I just like everyone has tasted a friend that's not a good listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of real beneficial things said today. I want to thank you, Dr. Sears, for sharing um, your experience in such an intimate way as a son and also a clinician. Curious to know if there's a, a meditation or a practice that you can take us through that will kind of perhaps get us connected or, or get us um, closer to this honoring that you mentioned earlier today.
1: Yeah, let's do that, and let me mention, this one may be a little raw for some people, so you know, use your discretion on if you're, you're ready to, to open up to this. And this is definitely not one you want to do while you're driving your car or mowing the grass listening to this, uh, you know, pause what you're doing and, and set up for this one. There are other ones we can do to sort of prepare for not uh, experiencing a loss, but we'll do this one for people who may be going through a loss. I just wanted to say thank you once
0: again, Dr. Sears, for sharing something that's obviously very personal to you, being so genuine and helpful and useful in this this period of time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: We hope you'll join us in the very next episode of Mindfulness Off the Cushion for that bonus content from Dr. Sears. See you there.